Okay, hi guys. Well, I'm Al, and it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm going to look at the first session on faith to win people. I'm not here as an expert to tell you I've led 700 people to Jesus, but one thing I do have is a great passion to tell people about Jesus and to share the love of Christ with others. And uh, I want to just give you a few little stories today uh, against the backdrop of why we do what we do. So first of all, I just wanted to look very quickly at why bother to win people? Why do we bother at all? And the first thing is this, we care about the glory of God. Do you guys care about the glory of God? I hope so. Because what my passion is, I want Jesus to be famous. We, we, we see Coca-Cola, we see McDonald's, we see those world brands, and everybody seems to know who they are, what they're about. But we want to have New Testament churches planted all over the world that are all about Jesus, and people think, I know what that's about, I know what that church is about. It says here in uh, Romans, Paul says, So that all nations might believe and obey him, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. That is why I love people. That's why I want them to come to know Jesus. Uh, J. Dwight Pentecost said, glory is displayed excellence. I love that. And the ultimate goal of the gospel is God's eternal glory. I used to think it was the main passion was that the love of Christ constrains me. I want to tell people about Jesus because I love them. And there's truth in that. I'm coming to that. But far above all else, the most important thing is that his name would be famous and his glory would fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's why we reach out to one people. Thanks, you. It's God's will to save. I'm not going to start arguing with you about Calvinism or Arminianism. I'm just going to quote to you what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit says, this is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's one of the other main reasons why we do it. God loves people and he wants to save people and rescue them. And thirdly, we love the lost. Do you know what, guys? If you get nothing else from today's seminar... If you walk away with your heart broken for the lost people around you, we will have moved really far forward. Because it's not about numbers, it's not about doing it just because we have a a call from God to be obedient, to share the good news. It's because we love people. Have I ever had my heart broken? Yes, and I want my heart to continue to be broken for the broken people around me. Because God loves them. Paul says, Christ's love compels me. I've got to tell people. I can't help myself. I look at the lives, the broken, the lost. They need Jesus and the love of Christ. He says, I'm convinced that one died for all. I've got to tell people. And that song, there's a line in it, called, the song called Hosanna. It says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am. For your kingdom's cause. I want God to continue to break me. I never ever want to be in a place where I look down or I judge people. I've got to remember it could be me. It could be me that's on the streets of Colchester with people I met recently. It could be me that's there. It could be me with addictions and brokenness and no home. It could be me. And I always remember it's the grace of God that saved me. And it's the same grace that can rescue others too. Hallelujah. There's no other hope. There's no other message. Politics is helpful. We can engage. It's helpful. But it doesn't solve the basic problem of the human heart that guys like us need to be reconciled to God. That's the glory of the gospel, isn't that? All right, let's move on. So let me tell you some stories. I like to tell stories. 
So my wife and I decided in uh, early September just recently to have a mini street party. Not for any particular celebration. Uh, It wasn't to celebrate Scotland winning a football match because that would probably mean we never had a celebration (laughs) and we never had a party of any description. So we've got to think of another reason, all right? And uh, it's just as well you can laugh at yourself, isn't it? And this year was we gathered about 43 people in the street, including kids, and it was only from one corner and round a little bit, and we invited all these people. Most neighbours came. And what was amazing was this guy and his wife, this is Andrew, this guy and his wife and kids, they said, oh, we want to be involved. Can we do the invitations? So his wife went and printed all the invitations out in colour, and I went to all the doors and invited people personally to come to our street party to connect with our neighbours and get to know each other better. So, basically, It happened. 40-odd people. Our front garden had a barbecue. My neighbour, Anthony, he had a barbecue in his front garden. And another neighbour to the side had a barbecue. So three barbecues going. And people were walking across the street. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Johnny from number 42. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Samantha from number 36 or whatever. People are engaging. And I'm standing there thinking, this is marvellous. My neighbours are talking to each other. They're engaging. I'm bringing with my wife and my kids and some other Christians in the street something of the love of God into our street. They need to know that Christians are good news. We're good news, guys. Jesus has sent us to be good news, not stuffy old people, not old, but stuffy stuffy people who sit behind their doors, never engage and hide away. That's not what we're called to. This was amazing. But let me tell you another reason why I show you this photograph. This guy, Anthony, he knows I'm a Christian. Some months ago, he came to me and says, can I see you? Can I speak with you? I thought, that's interesting. He doesn't normally ask me to do that. I wonder what this is about. I end up sitting in his back garden, down in the slabs, praying with him because he was going through a hard situation in his workplace. I said, do you mind if we pray? He said, go on. Absolutely. I believe in him up there. And we prayed. We have a connection. Faith to win people. He's not won yet. I've got faith for it. But you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? You've got, to, you've got to tell people about it. You've got to get alongside people and offer to pray with them and bring something of Christ's presence right there and then. This guy, Andy, Andy and his wife, Deb, and their two kids, my wife and I and our family have been engaging with them for years. They come in our home for meals. We have barbecues. We do fun stuff together. I even went with Andy and his son and my son and Morris's boy, Sam. We went to Hamburg for a day and watched the football. He loved it. He loved it. He said, that was amazing. We sat at the airport and we talked about other stuff, maybe not directly about Jesus, but we talked about Christian marriage. We talked about how to try and love your wife and care for her and be a good father and a good husband. Things like that in the conversation as well because he wants to know more. How do you live as a Christian? What's your life about? So I've got good contact with this guy. He's about three doors down. I've got good contact with this guy directly across the road from the house. That's on the street. Hallelujah. But I want more. I'm hungry for more. More neighbours to talk to. More, peop- more people to engage with. Faith to one people at work. I have permission from this guy, Mike. Mike works at my school. He's an LSE, a learning support assistant. He's also a bit of a reg varney, for those that remember on the buses. He, uh, he looks after all the buses to do with the school. And he lives in Brightlingsea. He's a big Ipswich Town supporter and he comes up here to a lot of the games and he follows Ipswich. 
Sorry, mate. I know that offends you being a Norwich fan, but never mind. It's okay. You're very welcome. <laughs> now, Mike gave me permission to put his photo up, and basically, I want to tell you about Mike. One day he comes into school. He's wandering around. Oh, oh that's no exaggeration. Oh. I said, what's the problem, mate? Oh, he said, I've done my back in. Done my back in. I said, can I pray with you? Yes, of course. I'll come up to your room later on and I'll pray for you. I'm, I'm keeping this quick. I go up to his room. I say, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lay my hands on you. I'm going to ask Jesus to come and heal you. And he's going to bless your life because he's good and he loves you. This is sitting in his office. Okay? Put my hand on his back. Father, in the name of Jesus, take authority over these back pains. Command them to go. We ask for your presence to come and bless Mike and to heal him. All right, Mike, let's go for a walk. Out we go outside at the playground. And he starts doing this. He goes, he goes I can't believe it. 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 He's going, I can't believe it. Jesus touched him. He goes and tells the head teacher. He's, stand, he's standing there in the, in the dining hall, queuing up for food. You're, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. It's the goodness of God. It's not because I'm special. We're all ordinary. But we follow one who's extraordinary. And we just step out, don't we? And we trust him. I didn't heal him. But thank God Jesus did. And he's in the business of doing great things like that. But secondly, he came to me another time. It's nice when people know where to come. Isn't it? It's nice when people go, I need a man of God. I need a man that loves Jesus. I better get someone. And they come looking for you. Blessing. It's fantastic. He says, I've got a problem. So I used to see him out doing his duty in the school field from my classroom desk at lunchtime. Go on, Al. Pray for him. Off we go. Out to the grass. Father, in the name of Jesus. Six different days I prayed for him. I was at church and I, I felt the Lord say, on the seventh time, he will get healed. <laughs> oh, okay then. Fair enough, Lord. Out I went on the seventh time. Father, in the name of Jesus. Nothing. And then I thought, do you know what? I might have misheard, but I ain't going to stop. I'll go back an eighth time. And I prayed. And so kind of, we got to him a wee bit closure. It's, it's better, Ali said, it's better. It's not quite fully there. When I saw him the other day, and I asked if I could tell you guys about him in a photograph, he said, it's completely better now. It's completely better now. I also had a word for him, which I won't share publicly. I had something God put in my heart. I thought, you're asking me to tell him that. I don't feel very comfortable. I shared it with him, and I said, God's only revealing this to you because he loves you and he cares about you. He goes, no, no, I can see what you're saying. I, I get it. It does mean something. But he didn't say any more. That's in the workplace, guys. That's in a school. I'm blessed in the sense that I work in a Catholic school where I can talk about Jesus as much as I like. Nobody ever says, excuse me, can you stop talking about Jesus? Apart from one or two parents who think, Mr. McDonald, calm down. You're talking about Jesus too much. You're forgetting there's maths. All right, I've got to teach my maths as well. I get, over, I get excited about him, but that's okay. But basically, we pray each morning in the tutor group. I can show worship videos. I can talk about Jesus freely and I love to talk about grace because those of you in the room perhaps who've come from a Catholic background you will know that one of the biggest things my Catholic friends need to hear is about the grace of God. They know quite a bit about sin. They need to hear about the grace of God. So I get a great opportunity to do that. Here's a couple of others. Um, this is a, a young Polish man who works in my school. Uh, recently I went to a training day. He was sitting on his own having lunch. I sat down with him. Having come back from uh, being in Lille with my wife and kids, visiting the Eatons there at the, the church in, in Lille. 
And he said, how did you repent? We're talking about what was happening, about the, the miraculous power of God. And we talked about grace. I've invited him to come to church. He couldn't make it. And he comes up and he says to me, oh, I just, just apologise. I'm really sorry. I couldn't make it on Sunday, but my wife and I would still like to come. We'd like to come and see what's happening at your church. Fabulous. This one, uh, I won't say too much on the mic, is uh, someone I work with who comes from a different uh, religious background, uh, who would be respectful of Jesus, but would not believe him to be the son of God. And this lady uh, and I had a great chat about how fabulous I believe Jesus is. And I said, can I give you a gift? She said to me, of course you can. I said, how about you could have my New Testament in Psalms? I'd love to give it to you. She said, thank you very much. I'll take that. And I said to her, when you read that New Testament in Psalms, I'm praying that the Lord Jesus will reveal himself to you. You'll come to know him. Thank you very much, she said, in the workplace. Now, guys, the reason why I tell you stories like praying for the eighth time is because we all make mistakes. I might have thought God said after the seventh time, I'm not here as an expert. I'm not here as someone who gets it right all the time. I make mistakes. Sometimes I might think it's God and I, and I make a mistake. I want to free you from any sense of performance. This is not Ofsted. Alistair's not got to be outstanding. He's just got to be obedient. Whatever Jesus tells you, just do it. That's the easiest way, isn't it? Just do it because you love him. Okay. Um, then I got uh, my tutor group together at school and we did an assembly on random acts of kindness just going around blessing people with no reason just because we love them so we did the assembly and then a whole bunch of people in the management various people came and said oh we need to get together we need to look at how we could bring this into the whole school so I have this meeting with a deputy principal, the head of pastoral, the head of PSHE, and the chaplain. And we all sit around there and talk about how can we bring in this random acts of kindness to the whole school? So what happened was it led to me having the opportunity to talk to the whole school about grace. I said to the whole school, the reason why we do random acts of kindness is because that's the way God treats us. It's called grace. He loves us. He lavishes us with kindness when we don't deserve it. And I get the chance to tell all my students, the whole lot and the staff who were there, about random acts of kindness. Then a, a specific PSHE lesson was designed around the topic. And now every kid at St Benedict's College in Colchester has a little card and they carry it round. And if any member of staff sees them doing a random act of kindness, they take the card and they sign it as a positive, well done, we love what you do. Now, it's not overtly going round with every person doing an act of kindness and specifically always telling them about Jesus, but it brings a culture, a culture of grace. And that's beautiful. And it's lovely to see when other people in the school do it. If you're wondering, does it work? Yes. A wee guy came up to me the other day and he said, Sir, you mentioned recently that you like a chewing gum from America called the Big Red. He says, my dad works in Washington. There you go. He's brought you back a couple of packets of the Big Red. So here's me get two packets of Big Red chewing gum because the kid just wanted to be kind. Somebody else will come up and give you a packet of Haribos. Mr McDowell, thanks very much. Have a packet, of, no packet of Haribos. Just want to give them to you. And it's the culture changes. Can your culture change? Can your workplace, your office, can the culture change? Yes, it can. Because you're there. And if you're there, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit's there. And boy, does he make a difference. All right? There we go. Okay. 
And lastly, faith to win people. My wife and I, Debs and I, lead a life group at Redeemer. And what we've decided to do is, about three weeks in the month, we'll meet together, mainly with believers, and we'll encourage each other and build each other up and pray for one another. But we said right from the kickoff, said to you as well, we want to have an, a one evening every month where the focus is not about Christians, the focus is about inviting non-Christian friends to come and be part of a party or a pudding party or something. So we had a fireworks night in our back garden and various people in the life group brought food and drinks and we had a fun time. And this young couple here recently started to come into Redeemer. This lady was walking past with her dog. She thought, I'd like to go to that church and appeared. And her husband walks in the Met. He came to the social as well. They would say, at the moment, I don't think we're Christians, but they love being around Christians. And there's Andrew, my friend, and his wife, and his two kids. They were there as well. Faith to win people on the street. Faith to win people in the workplace. Faith to win people through the ministry of the local church. In this context, life group. I guess this would be a key verse for me. How do I want to live my life? In terms of gospel impact. Paul says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God, hallelujah, made it grow. Guys, listen to me very carefully. From my heart, I mean this. It's not about, do I lead people in the final prayer? Was I there when they said the prayer? Jesus came into my life. I'm not too bothered about that. What I'm bothered about is that I want a whole generation of guys like you and me to plant some gospel seeds. And I want a whole bunch of us to go and water the seeds that other brothers and sisters have put on before us. I'm happy. I'm happy to let God let it grow. If I'm there at the end and we're bowing or whatever and some guy goes, oh Jesus, I need you to come into my life. Great, hallelujah, it'll be fabulous. But if you do it and you do it and you do it and you do it and you do it, but all I do is plant some seeds, water some seeds, we do it together. It's not about my ministry. It's not about how many did I bring to Jesus. It's about his glory. That's what matters. So I want to encourage us. Can we, are we doing, are we a minute or two? Are we done? Um, shall we stand? If I can do anything today to encourage you, I want us to pray. I want to pray into that. So here's what we do sometimes at Redeemer, right? We're going to go this way first. Sure. We're going to, if you're happy with us, we're going to lay a hand on the person to our left and we'll go all the way back like a snake. And I want us to pray. The Lord Jesus will flood us afresh with his Holy Spirit. And that it'll open up opportunities for us to share the good news this coming week, to plant some seeds, to water some seeds, and that we will believe that God wants to make a difference. You up for that? And then once we've done that briefly, we're going to switch and we're going to go the other way. You can pray for the person on your right. Guys, is it Mick Hucknell's song? We're in this together. <laughs> We're in this together. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. Only no one line. <laughs> okay, let's go. Where can I, can we join in as well? Yeah, yeah let's do that. Yeah, yeah.
Okay, let's go, guys. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Tom. I want to ask the Lord that you give him great opportunities, Lord. Fill him afresh. Baptize him afresh in the Holy Spirit. I pray that you use him for your glory. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus.